Everybody, to another episode of Podding Ain't Easy. It used to be called the Mandalorian Podcast, and now it's called Podding Ain't Easy. And what many people describe as the only rebrand worse than NXT 2.0. I am one of your hosts. No, sorry to cut you off. Nothing's as bad as that rebrand, mate. <laughs> not, not, not even us. <laughs> uh, I am Scott McLeod, and please. Uh, join me in welcoming the Von Wagner to my Kyle O'Reilly. <laughs> <laughs> Except I'm in no way Scott's best friend. <laughs> Although I always look at Von Wagner like he's got bodies buried somewhere, and I look at Carl and went, think he's definitely got bodies buried somewhere. We're <laughs> 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 here, you know, we were delayed in our one week in our. You know, finished enough of the bad batch because you know the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer took precedent over that. So now we've moved on to a new you know, series with Hawkeye that has recently just dropped. Uh, both episodes dropped in one, so we're going to review them both in one. But you know, as we like to do sometimes when we have a news out there relating to whatever it is that we are talking about, whether it's Star Wars or Marvel, uh, we're going to talk about it. And I'm going to start with this wee story. Because a running joke, I think it became during the, especially when we were talking about the second series of Mandalorian, uh, is when we were always joke about the Rangers and the Republic. Like, oh yeah, I can't wait for that to happen. That that thing's definitely getting made, and uh, I think the final nail's been put into the the coffin because I think it's all my, all but been confirmed that that show's not happening. As you know, a big part of it was maybe centered around Gina Carano's uh, Cara Dune, but then Gina Carano was fired by Lucasfilm. Uh, no word yet on what's going to happen. Some of the characters, like the uh, X-Men pilot that we saw in a couple of episodes of season two, might reappear in like Mandalorian. You think he was maybe featured in it as well, but it's looking like that show uh, isn't going to happen. Yeah, a bit of a shame. Uh, it would have been quite interesting to see how um, that show would have panned out and um, how Gina Carrera would have done as a lead because it looked like she was going to be the the main focus of the series from what I could gather, but for obvious reasons, which we'll not go into again, uh, yeah, it's been canned. Yeah, it's good to get official confirmation. I mean, they're not exactly short on content right now. Uh, Lucasfilm and, and Star Wars for Disney Plus and everything, but I think this is maybe like of one of a series of shows all happening around about the same period, like that, Mando, Boba Fett and Ahsoka. And, you know, I'm, I'm assuming they want this to almost be like a wee bit of a, in a way, a prequel almost to the, the Skywalker saga, which I think, no, the, somewhat a prequel to like the sequel trilogy of films that we got uh, pre like First Order and everything, how everything like comes together. But I wonder if we'll see any like story beats that are meant to be part of that, you know, echoing to other shows like Mandor or, or Soka. It's quite possible, or they just 
might drop that those sort of story threads they're thinking about all together or maybe put them towards an entirely new project. But as you say, they've certainly got plenty going on at the moment. So uh, it's going to be better to sink our teeth in like the up-and-coming uh, Obi-Wan series, which we'll see in 2022, um, possibly springtime, I'm, I'm wondering. And uh, the Ahsoka one that's um, going to start filming soon. So, plenty, you know, plenty. Boba Fett's coming out. Um, well, sort of the last day of this year, I think it is, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, I think actually the 29th is when it's coming out. So, yeah, a few days before the end ah, of the year. Ah, ah. I've got, got mixed off. It was the 31st. But, yeah, right, right at the tail end of the year then. You can you can just edit that so it looks like I'm, I know what I'm talking about. No, people need to know about Carl's unique uh, New Year celebration where he celebrates it two years early. Uh, two years, two days early. See, you've got me mixing up there. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> he's got this year, uh, New Year's 2021, he's already gone around saying, happy 2023 or 2024. <laughs> he's away ahead of everybody else. <laughs> I wonder why no one came out to my New Year's parties on the 29th of December. It's all <laughs> making sense. But to get back to where we were before we forgot how to speak English, like it's hard to really feel upset about this because obviously it's mainly the fault of Corrado because Giancarano did some, did some stupid thing which got her sight. Uh, but like other than the fact that she was maybe heavily involved in it and the timeline of when it was taking place, we didn't get any details other than that and a name for the show. Like There was no real story beats or anything that came out. We didn't even know who the main showrunners were going to be for it, so it's hard to really feel bad about the show being cancelled but as we said they do have plenty going on right now and one of those is Ahsoka and as again ready to film soon and to tie into uh, the kind of into the kind of Clone Wars uh, Rebels kind of feel with Dave Filoni at the head of it it looks like we've got a live action Sabine Wren all but confronted being cast and Natasha Lou Bordizo I hope I got that right has been cast as you know, an older version of Sabine Wren, the Mandalorian kind of character from the Star Wars Rebels TV show. It's very interesting that uh, the actress that they've supposedly cast is like like late twenties. Uh, I think Sabine Wren was maybe in her teens in the uh, the Rebels show over that time. She was kind of this, like prodigy because she was already building weapons that ended up getting used by the Empire when she was still very young. I would have thought they would have cast somebody a bit older because given the time frame, given that. Rebels was like 15 years before the original trilogy and now this is like a few years after the end of the original trilogy so I thought they'd got someone a bit older but uh, you know it's interesting like you see how Ahsoka basically more than like being a show that kind of spun off from Mandalorian it's almost starting to turn into this almost like Rebels kind of sequel series but live action yeah, it, it's um, it's definitely got elements of that, hasn't it? Especially with um, oh, um, the young Jedi bloke. I forgot his name. Help me, uh, Scott. Ezra. Ezra, that's it. Because um, she's obviously we. She was still searching for him uh, when we saw her in the episode of the Mandalorian. So I think that's going to be the premise for at least a few episodes of the show, if not perhaps the whole show, the search for Ezra and um, perhaps confronting Grand Ad- uh, the Grand Admiral. So, um, yeah, 
could be some interesting stuff, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, another animated character uh, brought to life by a real actress. And Supreme mm-hmm. Ren's one of my favourite characters from uh, Star Wars Rebels. I like, I like the fact she wore um, a sort of own customised Mandalorian arm with her with her own colours and that, and she often dyed her hair different colours in the in the show too. So it'd be interesting if they still go down that route, or if she's a bit more, ma- you know, a bit more mature and toned down now. Um, it'd be, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what she's like. As you say, about 10, 15 years on. Yeah, definitely. And it's been another thing where it's clear they clearly haven't found uh, Ezra Bridger yet, but he, it's not like he will be featured in the show as well as as well as a uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, as well as teased uh, by Ahsoka's appearance in Mandalorian. And also, not to forget, we've also got Hayden Christensen, who's going to be a part of it in some way as Darth Vader, whether that's going to be in flashback or Force Ghost form, as we speculated. Who knows? So definitely the pieces are coming together for this show, which is getting ready to uh, getting ready to start production very soon. But something that won't be starting production anytime soon is uh, the Patty Jenkins helmed Rogue Squadron. That was an, uh, one of the many things announced during that Disney Investors Day a few years ago, where all these, some of the Marvel shows we've already talked about were announced. Some of the uh, new shows like Ahsoka and Rangers of the New Republic were all announced. And this was meant to be a film that came that was scheduled for a 2023 release date. Uh, by held by Patty Jenkins talking about more uh, fighter like squadron, uh, and she talked about how this kind of almost personal to her because she'd always wanted to do a pilot based movie. Given her dad was a fighter pilot, uh, but now it's looking like it's been reported about you know creative frustrations between the two between her and Lucasfilm, and uh, I've got a thing here from the Hollywood Report that says reports are Jenkins has become hugely unhappy with the way certain Lucasfilm bosses have been micromanaging the process. And now it's decided to move on to help other projects while Lucasfilm decide what they want to do going forward. So it's like Patty won't be making this Star Wars movie and Lucasfilm obviously deciding whether or not they they want to give this to somebody else or if they want to just scrap it completely. So it's looking like we're going to get mainly Star Wars in TV form right now. Is a, It doesn't look like any new movies are going to get made anytime soon. Yeah, that's quite interesting. It pretty much sounds like they they had Disney and Patty Jenkins had different ideas on how they wanted to take the film, and obviously couldn't um, come to a compromise. Um, yeah. so, so that's a bit of a shame. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do. If they have no idea whether they'd scrap it or try and bring somebody else in. I suppose it might depend on how. Uh, far along they got with things probably not that far I'd imagine so they could bring yeah. someone else on board if they wanted to I, I suppose yeah I mean it said that they were like they couldn't agree on a script at one point which you think where before they have probably you can make that video that she put out on Investors Day announcing the film you have more of a more of an outline or at least what something resembling of a, a, a agreed upon script before you make these announcements, so you don't have to go through situations like this, where somebody joins in and then has to leave halfway through because they're they're having issues. But you know, I don't mean to you know pick on Kai because a lot of the times you know the studios do tend to be in the wrong. Having watched the first thirty minutes of Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four before turning it off and never watching the rest <laughs> of it, Kai Jenkins, Kai Jenkins getting her way doesn't always work out the best. <laughs> 
Yeah, I've I've heard a lot of mixed reports on uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, I haven't bothered watching it myself yet, but um, the majority of people did seem to think it sucked. To be quite honest. <laughs> Yeah, it's not the best. It is not the best. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is quite my man who enjoys almost anything. Not almost anything. I resent that. <laughs> I resent that remark. <laughs> but uh, like, this isn't the first time we've heard these reports from Lucasfilm. I mean, Patty Jenkins will be fine. She's got Wonder Woman 3 already agreed upon with Warner Brothers and apparently her and Gal Gadot want to make some sort of a Cleopatra movie. So she'll be fine with that. But apparently at one point, the Game of Thrones creators, David Benoff and David and Dan Wise, came on and they were at one point talking with Lucasfilm about being uh, like doing a new trilogy, but then for similar issues that Patty Jenkins had apparently dropped out. And there's been issues surrounding Ryan Johnson, who obviously directed The Last Jedi, because uh, they were talking about him directing a new trilogy of movies, kind of said the main like Skywalker timeline and doing something more of the expanded universe. Like there were rumors at the time it was gonna be like Knights of the Old Republic or something like that. But he still insists and like even as far back as March of this year that no, that's still happening. But you know, I'm just very busy because he is at some point in the next year maybe going to production of a sequel for Knives Out. But he there's some like delay on his trilogy of Star Wars because apparently that was agreed even without any kind of story really sorry they just said, Oh he's gonna do a trilogy of films. He's, I haven't really thought about what it's going to be, which again sounds like something that a big billion dollars to do should not be making. But <laughs> also, I think he might be a part of the reason why so many filmmakers are, are joining Lucasfilm and getting so micromanaged with their films because apparently he got quite a bit of creative reign for Last Jedi and uh, the response to Last Jedi really upset Lucasfilm. Marvellous film. I don't, I don't understand what, what all the fuss is about Cody Rhodes' favourite film, that isn't it? Oh, don't get me started on that. If, if, it's, if it's good enough for Cody, it's good enough for me. God damn it! And I think yeah. what went wrong with the Game of Thrones people, uh, I've got some, I've got some leaked um, memos here. And what if instead of starfighters, we have dragons and <laughs> even more incest? <laughs> And at the end of it, the new emperor of the new uh, Sith Lord is Bran. <laughs> instead of a instead of a lightsaber, he's a giant three-eyed raven. <laughs> and the and the woman you've been rooting for from the beginning turns out to be evil, and then gets stabbed by a boyfriend. Who's, uh, who's also a cousin or nephew? Nephew, that was it. Yeah. I mean, I know Ryan Johnson gets a lot of shit for these his stars film, and rightfully so. But like, I feel like I feel like he made he thought of a trilogy, and he said made the second film to a trilogy, but it was a trilogy that he it was a story that he had in his own head, and it did not fit the the the, yeah. uh, the, the story that Lucasfilm were telling because it doesn't exactly follow many of the stuff set up in Force Awakens and you see how much of a rustral at times The Last Jedi sorry, The Rise of Skywalker feels and that it's trying to cram in you know, stuff that makes up for what happened in the last one and trying to tell its own story all at the same time and has varying degrees of success with both of those 
Yeah, it's like, here's a trilogy, but we want the middle one to look like it's got nothing to do with the first and last films whatsoever. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm su- I think the whole thing about the uh, the Skywalker, or not Skywalker, sequel trilogy, whatever it's called, the newer ones are, that there was maybe like a different director for each one. Like I think Colin Trevorrow was meant to originally do the episode nine. He was the guy who directed the first uh, Jurassic World movie. And... I think eventually he backed it and then they brought J.J. Abrams back in. And they really should have just let J.J. Abrams do like the whole trilogy because he clearly had an idea of what they should be doing. And you know, like, it seemed like they were just they didn't want to do one person does the whole trilogy because the last thing they did that, it was Lucas and it was the prequels. But then they seemed to trust Ryan Johnston all of a sudden to do his own trilogy. And no, even though he, The Last Jedi was shit, I'd give, I'd, I'd give a Ryan Johnston trilogy a chance because at least given it's him doing the, all three films, at least the story would probably fall into something that makes sense, other than he's laughed out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, even though um, different people directed the original trilogy back in the day, it was all sort of written and um, produced by um, George Lucas. Everything sort of had to go, everything sort of had to go through him and he had a clear vision for them, of the you know JJ Abrams and Ryan Johnson clearly had two different visions and uh, and and ideas, and it just didn't work at all. I mean, they introduced this you know big bad villain um, in oh what's his name Snoke, and um, they just killed him off so unspectacularly. He's like halfway through the second film, it just just it just made no sense that he could be killed so easy so easily i know and then you're left with you know kylo ren is the main big bad with so which is so much the wrong decision they decided to resurrect the emperor that, that's the main <laughs> body for the final one and you can i think you can tell there's a point midway through the trilogy some maybe sometime in the last jedi where the, both adam driver and lucasfilm both have varying degrees of regret for signing him on to all three films because he's not spoken out very highly about his experience having to go to conventions to promote these films. <laughs> like they even made a joke on in a in Family Guy about him, which feels a bit too real, but still funny. And that one of the kids picks up a Kylo Ren toy and says, "I got this three months. I was a hot actor, and now they're stuck with me." <laughs> <laughs> like Marvel isn't like you know. I mean, to do because I think they've had issues with some directors in the past. Like John Favreau famously didn't had a bad time when he was doing Iron Man two. Edgar Wright eventually, after working on Ant Man for years, didn't get to actually see it through. And so it's, like, it's not a unique thing. But speaking of like Marvel controversies, one that seems to be sort sorting itself out is uh, Scarlett Johansson is now working with Marvel on a, a secret project. Uh, clearly, like I think they settled out of court on this whole lawsuit thing. Now she's Signed on as a producer for a, a Marvel pro, okay, Marvel project, which she's working alongside Kevin Feige, but they aren't talk, they aren't revealing what it is, and a lot, a lot of the speculation seems to be that there'll be some sort of continuation of like the Black Widow story, or at least the story set up in Endgame, because obviously her character's been killed off, but it'll be something to do with uh, Florence Pugh's character, and maybe the continuation of like finding the other Black Widows that are across the world that they seem to see was out there during the Black Widow film. Yeah, it's funny how tons of cash can smooth um, over bad feelings, isn't it? <laughs> I know, it's funny, though, isn't it? 
I wonder if uh, I wonder if sort of given her a bit of um, sort of power for uh, her own project was part, perhaps part of the deal or a sweetener as as well. But yeah, as, as long as it's not um, anything to do with um, oh god. I forgot what I was going to say now. That bloody anime thing she made a pig's ear of. Oh, Ghost in the Shell. That's it. As long as it's not a Ghost in the Shell thing, I think we'll be all right. Yeah, Scarlet Johansson. Trying to make, trying to make a flipping joke, and I couldn't even remember the film I wanted to say, man. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. Well, play it off as uh, the film would end up being so forgettable, Carl couldn't even remember it long enough <laughs> to make it bigger. <laughs> so that's it. That, that'll do. Just don't get old, folks. That's all I'll say. But it's is is good as she is. She does have a weird track, especially while she was at her peak of like Marvel, of making some really bad film choices. Because like, like there were films that you make in between Avengers or stuff coming out. That you, that you think, I think you're lucky that you've got that Marvel Avengers. My at least it guarantees you multiple roles here because you're some of your other choices. Because you had that, you had that that Lucy movie. That came out, and I don't want to spoil the end for you, but they just they, they just they took a good concept and just shat all over it. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. That's that was one weird film that Lucy, uh, that Lucy one. I have to say, yeah. So let, let's see what happens there. Maybe as uh, a Black Widow thing, which I think weirdly also implies that she's like, yes, you can have someone place me, but I want to have some input in how they do it. <laughs> in fact. I was never dead. Oh, the character's alive! But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, moving on, a few more marvel stories before we actually get into what we're here to talk about. Because uh, we'll return to the f- her being, well, not alive. Uh, that comes up as a point in the first episode of Hawkeye. But uh, rumours going around about Miles Morales, about, you know, like... Marvel are really interested in doing a live-action film about him. Uh, like, because already, like, you think he proved that he could do a story centered around him and into the Spider-Verse, the animated film, which uh, is getting a sequel sometime next year, which I'm looking forward to. And I actually forgot to tie into Hawkeye that Hayley Steinfeld's actually in that film. She voices Spider-Gwen. Well, yes, she does, doesn't she? Yeah. I forgot about that, too. <laughs> so did I. Uh, I was watching an interview with Arthur Pro and Hawkeye, and they talk about it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you were in that. <laughs> There's talk that they don't know what universe they want him to really be in, because originally in the comics, he was kept in his own universe where his version of Peter died, then he becomes Spider-Man, and then eventually was brought into like, a universe where he met like the main timeline, Peter Parker, so there's a chance they could do that, and like with like, this weird keep him in the Sony universe, where they make a film about him, and then like other characters that they plan to do, like Venom and Morbius, they eventually bring him into... You know, the I mean, MCU telling me when about the time maybe they want to get, I don't want to say get rid of Tom Holland, but they want to transition from Tom Holland to him because, you know, Tom Holland, he's still in his mid-twenties, but he's even talked about he doesn't know how much longer he'll be playing Spider-Man, even though somebody, one of the producers from Spider-Man said, like, oh yeah, there's going to be at least another three Spider-Man films out. This is not, this is not Tom Holland's last outing. Looks like he's doing more whether he wants to or not. Should I read the, the fine print on the contract, baby? <laughs> I mean, there were other interviews in the past where he said, oh, uh, I might, I wanted to play Spider-Man until I can't physically walk anymore. Uh, and like, other people said, like him coming out recently, saying, oh, I don't want to be in my 30s still playing Spider-Man. 
uh, some people are saying like he's just saying that just so Disney will offer him more money, <laughs> which <laughs> is true. Is smart get that money while you can. Uh, and you know what's upsetting? Like, I was talking about him and how long he was been Spider-Man. I said to look up. Oh, how old is Tom Holland? So I looked it up. This bastard is three months older than me. He's three months older than me. He was born in June first, nineteen ninety-six. I was born in September of the same <laughs> year, which basically means I've wasted my life and I should be Spider-Man right now. Yeah, that, that's it, and uh, yeah, that makes him uh, only six months older than me as well. And you know what's also weird? He got the he got the role when he was nineteen, so and he still has that very youthful face. It doesn't look like he's aged at all. So he's heading into his sixth outing as Spider-Man with uh, this uh, third film because also he's been Avengers and Civil War. He's twenty-five now. He's done six movies, and he's still younger than either Garfield or Maguire were in their first movies. There you go. He's got plenty. It's got plenty in him, then, hasn't he? I yeah. didn't really. I knew Toby Maguire was. Uh, Toby Maguire was. Toby Maguire was twenty-seven in Spider-Man One, and Amazing Spider-Man One came out. Andrew Garfield was twenty-nine. <laughs> really, I didn't, it didn't look twenty-nine, though. To be fair to him, so, yeah. uh, so credit yeah. where it's due. The fact that he was 19 when he got this part is the closest we've ever actually come to having a teenager actually play Spider-Man live action. Uh, and, he's, and he's still looking like it as well. So, it'll be interesting, you know, would you, do you, how long do you, th- do you think it's only a matter of time before we get some sort of like Miles Morales uh, appearance in the MCU? I mean, they could, I think they could, with the, with the different universe, and they could set up as soon as uh, next month's No Way Home. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can see it happening. Maybe even in, uh, as you said, the next the next Spider Man. And I don't see, I don't see why why they shouldn't do it. As I say, as I said, I think um, on one of our previous contracts, I think we're long overdue um, a black Spider Man. I think that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting to see uh, how they they set that up. But I was like. Uh, Tom Holland's still got some time left, so they can use these next three films to maybe set up, and maybe in the sixth one is when Miles Morales officially gets like a, a big role in that. Uh, Play, played by Denzel Washington. <laughs> I remember for years, like Donald Glover wanted to play like Miles Morales, like Spider Man, like because like there's a shot in like season one, like in season two, episode one of Community, where he wakes up and he's wearing Spider Man pajamas. Is I think? They were casting for Amazing Spider-Man around that time, and he was basically this is way saying like, "Cast me, pick me." <laughs> but uh, before we get into okay, something that actually could in a way tie into Hawkeye and the upcoming Echo spin-off, uh, there could be. It's not confirmed by anybody, but uh, there is. I can't remember the name, his name, but there's some guy on his Patreon who reports on movies was discussing something that's been picked up by other outlets about potential plans to bring back Charlie Cox as Daredevil. Uh, obviously. Daredevil was on Netflix amongst another show, then they all got cancelled. Ironic, no, weirdly, they all got cancelled at the start of 2020, not too long before Disney Plus really, you know, started launching internationally. Stra- strange coincidence, that one, isn't it? Hmm, I know. <laughs> so, there's been a lot of rumours that he's going to be in, in No Way Home as maybe some, the lawyer that defends Peter Parker, because obviously there's uh, hence that he's done in trial for well, being accused of murdering Mysterio at the end of uh, Far From Home uh, and you know, the rumours are that he's, he's in the trailer some of the footage shown in the trailers but somehow been digitally edited out 
but that would be like his introduction, that he'd appear more as Matt Murdock rather than Daredevil. Which I think is fair enough because you already got enough characters potentially in this film with all the villains, the Spider-Man, Venom, Strange. So you've you've already got like a a bloated you know, like number of people in the film. And then like as a Echo his character we're going to talk about when we get into Hawkeye has connections to the Kingpin and he's getting her own show. Uh, there's rumours that he could appear in that eventually to tie in with Kingpin, who is his main uh, enemy in the comics, and we've seen him in the Netflix show. And uh, he's also rumoured to have a role in the, uh, the She-Hulk show. Uh, she's also a lawyer, so there's rumours that they could, he could be appearing in that. And eventually the plan is to give uh, Matt Murdock his own Disney Plus TV show. How that If that will acknowledge any of the stuff that happened in the Netflix universe, or if it'll be a complete reboot, uh, remains to be seen. So, you know, I thought, like, out of all, all the Netflix shows, by, by a country mile, the, uh, the Daredevil one was the best one. Uh, it was really well done, like choreographing wise, with, like the fight scenes and all the action. They introduced a new version of Punisher, which was really cool. And uh, it took me ages to finally watch season three, but they introduced a new version of Bullseye, and the guy who played Bullseye was fucking mental. Yeah, yeah, he really was. Season f- season three was a, a strong outing um, mm-hmm. for Daredevil, and uh, at least it sort of on Netflix went out on a high. Anyway, whether it all whether it'll be back but it looks like my um petitions to get ben affleck back as daredevil have um <laughs> fallen on deaf ears <laughs> clearly so and I'm, I'm sure ben affleck is crying himself to sleep right now you know as we speak but what do you think i think the good thing about all these shows is that you don't need you always have characters their own thing they can kind of cross over with other people's shows but i like the idea of him getting his own series uh, because I think Netflix proved that Daredevil was a character stronger in his own show rather than getting his own like film. Yeah, definitely. I loved the I loved all um, three series, especially as I say, the first and the third one, especially because you sort of saw his development into Daredevil and how he sort of started actually didn't even have like the proper costume and uh, until the, I think the season finale did he? did he so it was uh, it was it was done in a really good way and they got more chance to flesh out characters and stuff in the series and um, I'd love them to bring back Vincent DeFalio as Kingpin I thought he played them to a T mm-hmm. yeah so it'd be very interesting to see how they, they bring him in to the, the show. I think he's, I don't really know what age Sherlock Holmes is, but I'm pretty sure he's maybe early 30s on what age is, hazard, I guess. So I think he's still got some time where he can play this, and he doesn't even need to appear in the main like films. I think if he just kept into like, the Disney Plus stuff, he could, he could still get a lot of good stuff out of his character, because uh, while they did go out in a high, it didn't feel like his story was quite finished, because... By the time I got ready to finish in season three, I still feel like, uh, kind of sad because they, they cancelled this, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to present, you know, he's 38. Oh. Uh, be 39 uh, next, mo- uh, next month. So he's nearly my age. So he's actually an old bugger. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, well, that shows what I know. But, you know, <laughs> so, so then, so now I'll change my tune. Get that that Netflix, that Disney Plus show filmed as soon as possible. We don't know how much longer he's going <laughs> to look as good as he does. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be so interesting when we actually get 
to December, December the 15th, it's released in the UK, Spider-Man, because, you know, mm. we're going to see how many sort of unconfirmed things do get confirmed and, you know, is Charlie Cops got a small role in it? Are Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire actually in this because they're still persisting with the the rhetorical that they're not in it? So it's going to be very interesting um, when it comes out to what actually is happening and isn't. Yeah, and it's going to be a long film, mostly like nearly three hours, and I have, I have a feeling they're going to they're going to keep them out of the film until like the final like fight scene. We see at that construction, and mm. that's when you're going to see them. They're going to keep them out, like wait to the like two hours into a two hour and forty nine minute movie. That's when they show up to keep you guessing the whole time if they're actually going to appear. And like all the like these sites that, that talk about like analytics to do with like box office and like how much money movies make are all predicting like a really strong opening weekend for Spider-Man and, you know, given all that hype, you know, like part of the, pan- due to the pandemic, it's been predicted that in the US box office, this could be the first $100 million opening weekend in two years. And then that, unless new villain Omicron variant has anything to say about things. Uh, don't get me started on bloody Omicron variant. He's already, he's already starting to ruin, potentially ruin Wrestle Kingdom over in Japan, so... If he's ruining, if you're inspiring for me, you know. I mean, I got, I misheard it. I just heard Unicron. I mean, I, I thought we were in real trouble for us <laughs> for a while. I <laughs> know, like, uh, fuck, fuck, coronavirus is a giant planet out there that sounds like Orson Welles. It says like the first hundred million dollar open weekends in the US in two years. I think. I wouldn't be wrong without looking up to Hazard, I guess, that maybe the last film that had that was potentially Endgame. Yeah, it's gonna, it's got to be something like that, hasn't it? So, yeah, uh, yeah apparently um, pre-booking's been off the charts already for uh, for these Spider-Man films. So, um, it's yeah, I think it's going to be mental money. Yeah, it's annoying because we're recording this on a Monday, which has been held as uh, Spider Monday because uh, the pre-sale is starting and pre-sales are already you know, selling out quite quickly. And it's very annoying that they've chosen today to do the pre-sale because I'm skinned right now. I don't get paid for two days, so I can't put my tickets until a few days and I want to see it at least the day or the day after it comes out. Knowing me, I won't oh, like, oh, no, you have to wait till the following week because everybody else got ahead of you. Ah. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Perhaps it should have been like um, when episode one came out and people were camping outside the box office for, for miles. And how many of them walked out of seeing that mess and thought, God, I wasted my life? <laughs> Probably quite a lot. <laughs> so many people. <laughs> but I think uh, we've talked uh, long enough about all these other things. I think it's time to get into Hawkeye itself. Uh, I was really looking forward to recording this because, as I said in the last episode that we did, uh, it's really the first thing that we've recorded, like, we're recording these reviews about that neither of us not have any prior knowledge really about it until we actually see it. So, like, we, we have no idea what's going to happen, like, next week or the week after. So we're just going to have to take it as it comes. But it's my turn to uh, go through the episodes and I've got two episodes to go through, so let's get to it. We, uh, we start the first episode with a flashback to 2012 New York 
as you see, a young Kate Bishop listening into her uh, her parents having an argument. Uh, it seems to be about money. Our, our dad, when he catches a rear series, or you know, they're always going to be our, he's always going to be there to protect them, which means because it's something something directed by Disney, clearly <laughs> somebody's parent has to die right at the start. Uh, and so it's New York in 2012. It's like you suddenly remember, oh yeah, didn't a big thing happen in New York in 2012? Yeah, that's right, the Chitauri invaded. And uh, there's a big like, part of the building that Kate's living in gets destroyed, and you see a Chitauri going right towards her. Who happens to save her? But Hawkeye was a rogue arrow that blows up the Chitauri ship. And somebody went online and they said you can line up page of him fighting an arrow at one point in Avengers to that shot. And I think it's a shot where he fires an arrow at Chitauri without even looking at it. So without even realising Hawkeye saved somebody and would go on to inspire somebody who would cause him great annoyance across these two episodes. We we learned that our father sadly died during the uh, during uh, the whole fracas and everything that happened to the house. Uh, but our mother, she was announced she's a protector. But Kate asks her mum if she can get a bow and arrow, and uh, we get this get long intro showing. And it's actually cool. I've looked seen some images of the uh, Matt fraction. David Aha, he did this comic series called My Life Is a Weapon. It was a Hawkeye run, which apparently this show is taking a lot of inspiration from, and you see images of that comic and how it's designed that's how they've done the the intro to this show and like the the ride that comes up it tells you present day or 2012 it's all the like, credits and that are done in the same style as that artwork and i think even matt fraction even got a, a credit as a consultant on this show uh, and you kind of get this long intro which basically shows kate as she gets older winning all these tournaments as an archer and becoming a lot more skilled as she gets older which takes us to present day where Kate gets into a bit of trouble because apparently due to some sort of bet she had to fire an arrow at a bell which inevitably because it's so old causes the entire thing to collapse and gets her in a lot of trouble. <laughs> uh, then we see Clint Barton alongside his kids in New York. They go to see Rogers the musical. Uh, they're singing a big song called uh, I Could Do This All Day obviously like a line that Steve Rogers would use. Uh, and Clint's very silent when we see it at his end because he's uh, he's gone a bit deaf. It turns out he's he, he hates the show so much he's turned his hearing aid off, which his daughter recognises. And Clint points out they've included Ant Man in the uh, the musical. He's like he wasn't even there. <laughs> uh, at least, <clears throat> at least he wasn't dragged away to see Cats, the cinematic vis- version. I mean, you, you mean you think differently if you saw the butthole cut. We've got a whole thing about that. On, on the- <laughs> <laughs> just don't <laughs> I'll get into more about the, the whole Roger scene later on but he, go, he says to excuse himself he goes to the toilet and someone's written on the toilet Thanos was right uh, which goes back to something we talked about in that Rogue Chronicles episode about Thanos and then awkwardly a guy asks him for a selfie while he's at the urinal <laughs> <laughs> uh, eventually he and the kids leave because they're not enjoying it anyway they go to get the dinner and everything and the guy gives him it for free because he recognises him and you know he's trying like, okay, he's talking about oh I want to get as much time in with them as they can over Christmas which obviously means he's not going to get to spend that much time with them at all because uh, they say in this first episode that it's six days to Christmas they say in episode two it's five days to Christmas so if you're across these six episodes the final episode at least part of it is going to take place on Christmas day or Christmas Eve at least uh, where yeah Kate 
meets uh, is reunited with her mother and uh, our new fiance Jack. Uh, okay, I don't know the actor here, and I don't want to seem like I'm criticising him, but this guy, nobody in the history of film or TV has immediately screamed, "I am not to be trusted." more than this man when he appeared on screen. This man, he instantly screams bad guy. There was nothing, if this man walked into a room, there was nothing he could say that would make me trust him. He could walk in and say, I bought you a new puppy. And instantly I would say, what unsuspecting family did you steal that puppy from? You are not to be trusted, sir. Yeah, he may, he may as well have a neon sign above his head saying, I am a villain. Apparently in the comics, this character Jack Duquesne is a villain, sometimes hero, called the Swordsman, who has a connection to Hawkeye in the comics, but uh, given the, the version of Hawkeye we've used to, I don't think they'll have that much of a connection here. They'll have probably change that. But yeah, she probably learns through somebody else, through uh, Jack's uncle, Armand III, uh, that uh, her mum's engaged and she's annoyed that she didn't hear it. She didn't like tell her herself. And so she overhears our man later on. She's seemingly threatening our mum, which causes her to get suspicious, and she wants to protect her. So she follows him and Jack downstairs to this party to uh, some sort of weird black market auction where uh, they're selling off the Ronin suit and sword, which is the identity that Clint took on in the endgame when he was hunting down criminals that survived the blip. And ev- But eventually, as the suit and the sword are being sold, the... Uh, the auction is interrupted by the tracksuit mafia who are looking for some sort of watch and Kate uh, eventually puts on their own suit and starts to fend them off and the tracksuit mafia recognise the suit but they don't. But nobody seems to know who Ronan is so they don't know that it's not the real Ronan. Uh, a funny moment where she's trying to know the whole hold on to something do like a weird head scissor on something like, like some Black Widow have done. She grabs onto a pipe, the pipe snaps, which I think was pretty funny. She manages to fend them off, and then she saves a dog from being hit by a car who's got a funny eye and gets fed pizza. That is, from the comics, Lucky the Pizza Dog. Is his that, actual name. Some of those done studies in that with pet, pets. That pizza will do that dog's digestive system no good at all. <laughs> yeah, you should definitely not feed a dog <laughs> pizza. Uh, but you know, you know, it's comics. But uh, <laughs> there's a section of the, the fan base who probably like, why didn't you have that dog eat any pizza during Hawkeye? I I'm cancelling my subscription to Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. So Kate decides to look into what's going on with Jack because Jack or Armand, I think Armand bought the sword, but uh, nobody got a chance to buy the suit. So she goes in the suit to his house and already finds he's been stabbed and is is been killed. And then when here's our his maid coming in, so she immediately tries to flee uh, before anyone sees her. But then she's tracked down again by the tracksuit mafia, who kind of have her outnumbered, and she's out of her debt. Where the first episode ends with her being saved by Clint because she saw footage of somebody in the room suit on the news, so he decides to go clear it up. And uh, the the episode ends with him taking the mask off her and her being all stuck, like you're Hawkeye, and he goes, yeah, who the hell are you? And the episode ends there, and then picks her right up right at that part. Uh, in the second episode where they manage to escape, they go back to Kate's apartment and she basically asks him, can you sign my bow? That <laughs> <laughs> was funny. Uh, and then the, the tracks at Mafia find her, they start throwing Molotov cocktails in, which Clint throws one back at them like it was shown in the trailer. And then Kate tries to like use a fi- an arrow at a fire extinguisher, which causes the thing to go flying and hit, go out the window, which shows their different skill levels. They go on a supply run, which isn't as 
fun as she thinks it is. It just involves them going to a store for painkillers and shit like that. Uh, they go and hide at her aunt's house, which isn't as fancy as the Avengers safe house she thought they were going to. Uh, she hides there while Clint gets his kids like on a plane home and he promises them that he'll be home for Christmas. Oh, so many Christmas movies have started off with that same promise. But... <laughs> uh, there is a scene where they're walking through uh, Times Square where they see a bunch of people impersonating Avengers characters and everything. They see some, again, another person dressed as Ant-Man and nobody seems to recognise Clint as he's walking through this crowd. And she goes, he points at somebody with a bone and goes, oh, that woman's dressed as you. No, oh, that's Katniss from The Hunger Games. <laughs> and... Uh, he doesn't say when he goes to here, but they show some flashes of like different moments from uh, all the adventures. On basically, like the idea of yeah, being constant uh, contact with so many explosions will eventually cause you here and it slowly but surely start to fade, which makes sense. Uh, and so she like tries to get information from her mum and everything, and like find out what Jack's up to, and, like because you no, know, they're starting to take on this weird like kind of superhero slash your criminal conspiracy kind of show, which I'm really enjoying. Where while well, he tries to go find the uh, the ruins, as he found that some one of the firemen who cleaned up uh, her apartment stole it to use it for larping, and so Clint uh, very hesitantly has to dress up in order to get in, and uh, he says, "Like, give me the suit back." He says, "Can you just let me kill you?" You know, <laughs> uh, and to which Hawkeye Billy goes, "I fought Thanos." <laughs> uh, and so he eventually like lets the guy kill him. He gets the suit back, and Kate uh, try, challenges Jack to a fencing match to try and get information out about him. Uh, she gets into an argument with her mom, who like just like doesn't know what's going on here. She seems so oblivious, but as she as she is oblivious as she seems, I don't think so. Uh, and then turns out we're right to the suspicious of Jack, not just because of his weird evil-looking face, but because he has his monogram and uh, butterscotch. He offers her which Kate which Kate found. At Armand's apartment when he, she discovered his body, so immediately she's like, "Ah, it was probably you." Uh, Clint tells his wife like he might be a bit delayed, but he says he's going to do it, use an old nat trick, which is a catch and release for the tracksuit mafia uh, by basically letting himself get captured in order to learn what they're up to and who's in charge. Uh, and Kate uh, tracks uh, where Hawkeye is, thinking he's been kidnapped, not realizing his plan. Tries to save him, but literally falls flat on her face as she falls through the window. And gets herself captured. And one of the final shots we see of the episode is Echo, who's seemingly seemingly in charge of all the tracks of Mafia. There might be more to it, we'll have to wait to see future episodes. But she's listening to like the vibrations of these of this stereo because she is obviously deaf. And that's how the episode ends. Uh, I can already tell that the way this has been set up, it means that we're probably going to get that cool car chase sequence we saw in the uh, Disney Plus Day footage, probably is going to come in the next episode, which I'm looking forward to. but uh, Carl, there's a lot to digest there, but what were your main thoughts on Hawkeye and what was uh, there anything in particular you want to highlight? Yeah, no, I really I really enjoyed it, especially the the second episode. But um just not to say I didn't enjoy the first episode. Um it was sort of a bit more Kate Bishop heavy than I was expect I was expecting, but it kind of made sense. Uh, um, they needed to introduce her because it's a new character, and um, what she's you know what she's about. I like the flash. I like and hate the flashbacks to um, New York, and 
2012 because god does that make me feel old because <laughs> she, she she starts off as a little girl in 2012 and now she's a woman and i was already a fully grown man in 2012 and i'm still a fully grown man now so um yeah i'm just old i was trying to think like hold on she looks too young to almost 10 years ago which made me feel a wee bit old as well because I remember going to see Avengers in 2012 and now look where we are but like it's nearly 10 years since that happened and now she, she claims in the future that she's 22 but then I thought oh no in the Marvel time you had to add 5 years because of the whole snap so you realise it's not really in the same timeline as us so you had to add like 5 or so years so I can't that's make true sense. that's and true and I think Haley uh, uh, Steinfeld actually confirmed in an interview that Kate Bishop wasn't snapped which is why she's as young as she is in the flashback. Ah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. But I, I agree with you, it was a very much a uh, focus on her. There were only a few scenes with Jeremy Renner's character in there. But like you said, we've had quite a few films to like, learn about him and we kind of know what he's all about. So it was kind of like the idea of we need to get people up to speed with who Kate Bishop is and why she, she takes up archery as well and why she's inspired by... Hawkeye and uh, you know I, I really like this uh, Rogers musical scene here oh I, I thought that was brilliant I was going to get to that. that that is just I think it's the best musical of all time uh, I think Jim Marina confirmed in an interview that that was the last thing they shot of the series was that Rogers musical but uh, I'd obviously like he's the bit where it goes silent because he also he's turned his hearing thing off is when it's showing he's running through all the characters and it shows the woman playing Black Widow and obviously he still feels guilty about like her she, her sacrificing herself and ending him over him and you know he knew her very well and it didn't help that when they're when they're describing everybody all they say about Black Widow is she's easy on the eyes which uh, to him would be also quite disrespectful. Yeah, it's uh, that sort of. Typical sort of sexist stuff you get in uh, these things, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Even though that's, you know, that's like a satire thing. Yeah. But you know what I mean. But yeah, um, but yeah, that seems just brilliant. The whole I could do this all day. But I don't think he actually did that in the Avengers, though. That, that was uh, a Winter Soldier thing, I think. But. Um, yeah. I, mean, I think the musical's maybe about Steve Rogers himself, hence the name, but I think also they're showing the Battle of New York because it was a, a big deal. True, true. I never I never thought of that. Uh, but I also love I also love the uh the clock tower scene as well when she shoots the the bell and it all crumbles. She's a she's a bit of a bungler. Uh, yeah. I kinda like that. You know, we, we always see these superheroes as the almost like, like the the finished article or like Spider-Man, he seems to learn how to web-sling and crawl up walls within a couple, a couple of in a couple of minutes. And Miss um, Kate Bishop, she's trying to be this sort of vigilante type thing, and uh, yeah, she she's not too terrific at it, really. Bless her. Yeah, I think. That was a kind of decision by the creators because I think from what I've heard, the comic that they're taking this from, she was a bit more of the finished product, even though she was a, a fan admirer of Hawkeye. But I think they've chosen not to make her the finished product so that Hawkeye can take on a more mentor kind of role to her. 
and also the fact he seems to be the more serious one, so they think uh, I need to make her a bit clumsy, you no, know, so that she can be the funny one of the group, while Jeremy is more the the straight man. Yeah, it's almost I imagine how I imagine myself if I was trying to be a superhero, uh, <laughs> bungling everything up. Yeah, <laughs> I mean she does manage all her own like at the fight scene at the auction, and uh, like for the same reason I liked where all the fight scenes in Daredevil, like this show more than all the others, guy was is relying on more like hand-to-hand fight scenes and uh, they're really well put together. Yeah, so far they've been really enjoyable and yeah, you, you get to see though, even though she does make a, a mess of certain things, she still knows what she's doing and she can she can hold her own. I mean, she's beating up grown men almost <laughs> twice the size. So <laughs> yeah, she's definitely a very, a very skilled fighter and um as I said when I rudely put it in, uh, I totally agree with your um, uh, analysis of her mum's fiancé. Yeah, you can, you can just tell he's a villain from the off. I don't know if that um, is maybe on, you know, maybe on purpose, but uh, yeah, he just uses uh, I am a villain. And who puts uh, monograms on that? But he butterscotch. Who does that? Seriously. I mean, he's got the, the third in his name. So I think that's the type of people that do that. Because he didn't just see his like, nephew or grandson who's called Armand the Seventh. He goes, I guess I'm Armand the Third. He's the Seventh. And I think that's quite, that's a few too many. <laughs> yeah. Bye <laughs> bye. Mom and the third played by um, British Vespian uh, Simon Callow. Mm-hmm. And he was good up until he got stabbed. He was uh, quite good in his small part in this episode. Yeah, it was quite good. He got killed off, actually. Uh, I, I don't think more of him would have hurt, to be honest. But yeah. there you go. Yeah, and the scene with her, him like arguing with her mother, like, I, I don't think she's as innocent or as clueless as she's been made out to be in these two episodes because uh, I think like she she knows more about what happened with him than or maybe they've made Jack look so evil to then swerve you like actually it wasn't him it was her mother all along. Yeah, you never know. That's what I mean. You you don't know if it's an intentional thing that mm-hmm. he's coming across as so villainous as you say it could be a swerve and I, yeah I kind of agree you know her mother's a very wealthy sort of socialite and I don't think she got there by being completely dumb and oblivious to everything that's going on around her yeah so you never really know what's going on there I mean there have been people online that say like she didn't look too panicked when uh, she was leaving the the event after that bomb went off and the tracks that Mafia showed up, so maybe she knows more than she's letting on, but, you know, I have to think that it's intentional that Jack looks so suspicious, because I don't think I've ever seen anybody look so suspicious as soon as they appear on the screen, like, even when he's trying to be charming, like, that scene where she's talking with Kate and her mother, like, oh, you know, it's okay, Kate's clearly threatened because I'm a new person in her life, you know, I've read a book on step, being a step-parent. <laughs> yeah, and also the, um, the, the sort of fencing bit where she yeah. goes in for a lunge and he's not paying attention, but he's able to, to parry her without thinking about it. She's like, see, see, he's better than he's letting on. <laughs> yeah, he's clearly letting her win, and he, he kept plays off like, okay, maybe I downplayed how good I was just a little bit. Moving <laughs> <laughs> uh, on, going back to the Rogers musical scene where he leaves us like, 
because he's always there, but they've put Ant-Man in there because like he's new or whatever. But uh, he goes to that urinal. It says someone has written a thing that says Thanos is right, which I think ties into Captain America, uh, well, Captain America, but uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, because also the antagonists in that series were basically under the impression they thought everything was better during the blip. And so there's that idea. And it does go back to what you and I were talking about with Liam, because Liam raised the point, like, is Thanos actually a, a villain with like what he was trying to do? Yeah, but you know, th- this is Liam we're talking about. Yeah, and and as they raised in there, what if it's still genocide? <laughs> it is. Whether he had the right idea or not, it's uh, yeah, it's <laughs> you can't let people kill half the universe. No, no, you cannot. The fact the guy the Euro asked him for a he goes, it's not the right time. And it shows him why she sends the guy to the <laughs> yeah. It's not the right time. <laughs> like, you, can just, the room. you can just imagine, though, like when you know, proper celebrities and wrestlers like Randy Orton are there having a whiz and our fans have the phone. And you can imagine they're really like that. No, not now. And then 10 seconds later, what about now? <laughs> Uh, but, uh, so I'm liking like once they actually get to know each other I'm liking the, the back and forth like we talked about how you could clearly tell the chemistry and the, just the footage that they showed of, of this but uh, seeing how they play off each other like she's like fangirling out about him and he's all serious like wait where did you go between the auction and here did you stop anywhere where you fall so yeah I came here but nobody knew I was here and then you hear one of the transit mafia people shouting her name goes, uh, actually my name is on the uh, on the doorbell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also I also sort of um I don't know if you saw it the same way, but I got a little bit misled when when he has when he's having the flashback and he pulls down his um, Ronin hood, he sort of turns around like he's looking at somebody and I thought perhaps he was remembering meeting her or something during that um, blip time and then at the end he's like and who the hell are you? So I thought it was going to turn out he knew her and then I got to work because he didn't know her I don't uh, know if you saw it in the same way or it's just me being daft uh, I didn't see it in that way I was interested to hear how they would have uh, tied it in to uh, how they would have like, like shown why she's such a fan of his, and the way they chose to go that way. But yeah, like the whole thing, like she would have obviously recognised his face as Hawkeye, but as Ronan, as they said in the auction, nobody knew who Ronan actually was. And now, like, also they're trying to uncover like what happened to the old guy, why the what what are the and mafia after? Because like I don't think they end up getting the watch. What the hell was the watch all about? It's still so many unanswered like questions. And Hawkeye basically wanting to get it done and out of the way is quick, quick enough that he can get home and uh, for Christmas and doesn't want Kate getting in the way. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting why they um, why they want the road in suit so bad, and is it because they want to find out who Ronin was? Is someone after you know? Did he kill somebody's brother or something? And someone's out for revenge or? Is it yeah. for an entirely different reason? Well, yeah. I guess we'll find out. And yeah, the whole Echo thing's interesting because she's kind of uh, like a, an anti-hero type, isn't she? She's yeah. um, for the bad guys and the good guys. So it'll be interesting to see what side she ends up on. 
Yeah, I thought it was an interesting choice, you know, having her interest not until the end of the second episode because they already announced that she's getting her own show and they've only now only got four real episodes to really tell you who she is and uh, tell you who she is and set her up enough to uh, invest in her for her own show. She's she's first appearing here as a villain, so you got to think where at this point are they going to have her turn to more the anti-hero side? Because if she stays a villain, then it's going to be weird to try and follow her story for her spin-off show. Yeah, you get the feeling that perhaps she'll end up um, helping Hawkeye by the end of the series, but so it leads into her own show. But um, I suppose there's no way of knowing until we've actually watched the whole thing. Yeah, uh, I'm interested to see if like if Daredevil pops up in her show, and maybe it's maybe she's still a villain. And it's him that helps her see the light because uh, she was briefly uh, when she was about. She did tangle with Daredevil because uh, there's a story where the Kingpin tells her. Oh yeah, he he killed Daredevil. Killed your father. So go undercover, trying to just Daredevil, and then it comes out actually. No, it wasn't. Who would have seen it coming? Kingpin actually killed him. Who would have seen that coming? That'd be actually a good way to sort of transition into the the Daredevil Disney Plus series if he was um, to sort of cameo on uh, the Echo series. Um, yeah. yeah, I like that. And especially, as I said earlier, if we can get Vincent DeFanario, I'm probably saying his name wrong, so I do apologize, Vincent DeFanario to, to be Kingpin. I thought he did a tremendous job, so hopefully they can nail him down for that role again. Yeah, and he seems pretty much uh, open to it as well. He's talked about it in interviews and everything, so uh, I think it made that happen. You know, I think he's kind of become the the Netflix series. He's kind of become the person a lot of people think about when they think of that character. So it makes sense to bring him uh, back for that. What do you think of the uh, the tracks at Mafia? Because uh, you get to see them when they talk in the thing. So they're. Uh, they're not really the most competent. They're clearly uh, like not the main baddies, but they're clearly henchmen for other people. Yeah, they're, they're quite funny. Uh, I, I love the name as well. It's uh, I don't know. It's, it, it's all very clever. It's all kind. It's all kind of um, done in quite a light-hearted, light-hearted way, isn't it? Which which I like. It's a, it's certainly a different tone from. Um, the Captain America series and the uh, the Loki series, which are all quite sort of quite sort of serious or very serious, really. And this is a bit more, a bit more fun. Yeah, I think uh, even though they're setting probably stuff up for later on, uh, I think the other shows were setting up more stuff, so they had to be more serious. Whereas this one, like you said, it's not taking itself too seriously, and a lot of the people reviewing have said that and have used that as a positive. Because uh, like Hawkeye has taken a lot of jokes over the years. Like even Jeremy Reynolds poked fun at the character. Because uh, I remember there was an SNL skit where they did the Avengers, and he obviously played Hawkeye. And it's like they're doing like the battle from New York, and you're like, oh, I've run out of arrows. How many arrows did you bring? Like eleven. It's like ten thousand aliens. Yeah, and I killed eleven of them. You're welcome. <laughs> That's brilliant. I like the way. I also like the scene where um, Kate is um, telling him Brandon is his problem. <laughs> yeah, people don't want that brooding like stuff. They want like you know humanity and everything. Like I think they've started doing that with Hawkeye ever since they entered the idea that he had a family, like Age of Ultron. But I'm wondering if like the whole like brooding kind of thing was maybe a wee shot at like DC characters. 
Yeah, could, could well be. You never know. Yeah, I mean, you've had people like Dead, not Dead, all the Deadpool like take shots at DC and sell that. So you never, never really know. I do like how they explain why it wasn't one thing that caused me like losing hearing because even though they can get away with more in a on on Disney Plus buying a streaming service, I'm, I don't think they're going to do the real way loses hearing, which I think he gets stabbed in the ear with one of his own arrows in the comic. Whereas he's played here like, no, I'm a, a man who's been around aliens and all these explosions. So, of course, naturally over time, my hearing's going to start to go. But also he's still got some of his hearing, uh, which gives more context to him saying, I'm not hearing you. Because he says at one point he has to stand on a certain side so his hearing aid can pick her up. And uh, it does make sense because it goes to show like everybody, like him and Black Widow were the more human characters amongst like, you know, the Hulk, you know, a Norse god, you know, Captain America and everything. Whereas they're just humans and it shows like there's a lot more wear and tear on them than the other characters yeah 100% adds a fair bit of realism that, um, as you say being around all these battles and explosions is hearing has um, suffered for it mm-hmm. it, it makes perfect sense yeah uh, I also like the relationship with his family that we get to see more of like them like going out for uh, for dinner before Christmas and uh, his youngest son because like, he knows his dad's losing his hearing, he's learning sign language, <laughs> which was cool. And then the fact that even though his wife was blipped out, he clearly told her everything that happened when, when uh, he was going like, oh yeah, I went on a bit of a depression, started, uh, I cut my hair weirdly and started killing criminals that were still alive. Because she, she somehow knows who the tracks of mafia are and she still stays with him. So what a hell of a woman. That I can't remember the name of, I know the name of the actress, I can't remember what they've actually called Hawkeye's wife in the show. Yeah, no, it, it, it escapes me. I'm afraid as well. I mainly, I mainly know her as uh, Thelma in those live-action Scooby-Doo films. That's where I first seen her. <laughs> the, the, the attraction of the I mean, like there's the scene where like they're they kidnap Hawkeye, or they didn't. He makes them think they're kidnapping him. He's like, guys, I can see through the hood. Could they fit a bag over his head and put them in a van? <laughs> and then like he takes the, like, some shots at like their weird warehousing. It's like I couldn't find better place. All these warehouses have been converted into lofts in New York. Like I couldn't find better place. And, and like it's like like don't let them rail you up and everything. Like like guy. Like I'm not the guy. Kate Bishop. Kate Bishop is not guy. Kate Bishop is guy. Kate Bishop is not the guy. And Kate Bishop comes crashing to like, oh yeah, here she is. <laughs> uh, but. So I think it was a hell of an introduction because like, you get to see a lot more of her and then you get to see them properly together in episode two. And then basically Hawkeye has, you know, let us say, best laid plans and they all seem to go awry. And we'll get to see how they, they try and get out of that situation in episode three, which, as I said, hopefully leads to that really fun looking uh, car chase sequence we got to see in the Disney Plus Day footage. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing seeing that play out. And yeah, it seems to be a general rule: if you promise to do something, it's it's not going to happen. If you promise not to do something, like go back to Kimono, <laughs> it's it's definitely going to happen. I know. Like, has Hawkeye never seen a Christmas movie? Like, when he as soon as he said, "I'll be home for Christmas," like there are so many Christmas movies as I said. With a similar premise, or at least some sort of related premise, that uh, like not even a Christmas film, but planes, trains, and automobiles has a similar premise as well. Yeah, it's it's just asking for trouble. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, I do love kind of the, uh, the you know, Zolak phrase, you know, never meet your heroes, and I'm pretty sure that's actually the, first, the name of the first episode, but Kate realising that the superhero lifestyle isn't all what's cracked up to be, like, she thinks she's going to Avengers Tower, and like, I know they sold that a few years ago, and uh, <laughs> you want a supply run? Oh, where? Some sort of secret where? It's like, no, we're going to the pharmacy, because uh, we, just, we just fought a bunch of guys, like, we're only human here. <laughs> really shattered the illusion. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh... If if you're not super powered like Steve Rogers, it's uh, it's hard work. Yeah, and then she's like she's got a frozen pizza on her head. Like I'm doing killing two birds, you know. I'm healing healing myself up and uh, thawing a breakfast for pizza dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I want to talk about the larping scene as well because it's a weird detour in the episode, but you know it, it gets enough laughs in there because of how like he. This is a guy who's been through so much, and yet he signed this ridiculous. And uh, it's also the second time we've done this kind of thing because he had that Renaissance Fair in episode two of Loki, as well. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I really, I really enjoy the sort of um, the LARPing scene and how, uh, how they sort of montage him going through all these fake fights with everybody and beat and sort of defeating them with ease until he gets to that one bloke who's got the ruining costume and he has to sort of let him win. And then they choreograph, you know, the fight just so he can, like, be shown to kill them in front of everybody because everybody recognises him, you know. You know, I thought LARPing was real, like, pro wrestling, but actually it's fake, like boxing. <laughs> uh, well, future Rama references that for you. Yeah. <laughs> If you know, you know. Uh, but like the guy who says, oh, this is my only chance to be, come close to being a hero. I'm like, mate, aren't you a firefighter? I'm sure there are no opportunities to be a hero as a firefighter. Like, that's the, that's the one nitpick I have of both episodes, is that line. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a good little bit, isn't it? As you say, you'd think uh, a firefighter is like a real hero. Yeah, so... Uh, it makes very little sense. I mean, I'm sure they may not feel that way in the in a world that has like superheroes and like gods and everything like that. But you know, and it's just something that I, like I'm nitpicking here. Like other than that, it's the only real complaint. That's the only real complaint I have about these two episodes. Which, like I said, real strong start to the series. So, like, and we and again, all we can do is speculate to what's going to happen in the next episode. Does even there was even set up a thing between him and Elena. Uh, at the end of Black Widow, so is she going to somehow show up in this? In this, because uh, clearly, if she is, and they've chosen very wisely, probably not to show her in any trailers. So there's already there's only four episodes left, which doesn't seem like a lot, but you can tell that so much is going to be packed into these episodes. Yeah, definitely, it does look like they're uh, shoving quite a lot, quite a lot in. So it'd be quite interesting, and yeah, um, it'd probably be. The penultimate or last episode, if Elena shows up, I, I would suspect. Essentially, yeah. So, if you haven't got anything else really to say, are you are you good to go into the the ratings for both episodes? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll give them a combined episode, and um, yeah, I really enjoyed both. Um, I, I, I'd say. Um, so between seven and a half and eight. Uh, I think given the combined, if that's the combined score for both episodes, I'd say I'm closer to a nine. Uh, 
because like for the most part I didn't have much issue because like while the first one might be slow to start but as soon as the auction scene really goes awry with the tracks of mafia things just escalate from there which was good and it helped to really get to grips with the with these characters uh, so I think my campaign score would be a nine if yours was an eight then we've got an average of somewhere around about an eight eight and a half so it's still a high score for both episodes and uh, like you said we've still got so much to, to look forward to yeah, no, there is, just remember that a little funny bit where she's sort of blagging herself into that auction and um, oh, the, guy yeah. is, the guy there is the guy goes, oh, I thought I was the only person working. Oh, no, no, Gary, Gary asked me to to work, to work here. And then a little bit later on, this guy, I'm Gary. She <laughs> <laughs> someone else say the word, say, talk about Gary, she uses that to get away. And then a guy, I said, what are you doing here? Oh, well. Gary told me to be here. Well, no, I didn't, because I'm Gary. <laughs> like, uh... Also, like, she's told by her mum to wear a dress, and she says to wear a full-on, like, black suit. Very Sonia Deville-esque, that suit. Yes. That's been the first two episodes of Hawkeye. Uh, I'm really enjoying it so far. I mean, uh, you know, we 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 both talked about potentially, especially after a rewatch for me, like Loki might be the best out of all the Disney Plus series so far. Could this be a contender to knock off its perch? Only time will tell. But, uh, girl, do you want to go into your plugs because uh, you've been uh, doing some new stuff over the past uh, week or so, podcast wise? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My podcasts have actually come into fruition finally. Um, me and Liam are back together talking football. Uh, my new podcast, uh, Devils and Guns, or Guns and Devils, is one way around. Um, as, um, we talk about Manchester United and Arsenal and other goings on in the Premier League and touch upon our success and failures at um, managing our FPL teams. So tune in to that a lot about Man United and uh, their new interim coach, which was confirmed today, but still sort of um, being reported on on Ralph Ragnit, what, what we can expect from him and what we think of that appointment. Oh, well, proposed appointment at the time of recording. And also, um, I've re-teamed from our Lukey final with Sam, Sam Carmichael, and we started a retro Buffy part. We started right at the beginning, at the first two episodes of Buffy. So um, if you're interested in a retrospective look at those, tune in and hear our thoughts. And also, you can find us on rogue underscore opinions on twitter and instagram and check out our website rogueopinions.wordpress.com and scott over to you thank you very much carl some very exciting stuff going on at your end uh you can check out my series the rogue Retro Smackdown review uh with sam our back earlier episode went up a couple of weeks ago followed by myself paul from scott and Ram podcast alongside uh Brian uh, doing an Insurrection 2000 watch along uh, and sometime later this week we're going to have another episode of Smackdown as things are heating up on the way to Judgment Day 2000 uh, on CB and Saturn. also I'm going to be recording a few episodes of uh, No Dogs Barred in the next week or so 
Uh, so we'll try and build up a backlog of them. And then the next episode you're going to hear is from someone outside of Rogue Pines. Uh, an idea I had that I was going to do after I got through everybody on Rogue Pines was like talk to people that I know or find interest in the world of like podcasting or various other medias. But uh, say to do it, start that bit earlier, as some other ones that I was going to record have been delayed. So uh, the next episode you hear is from is with Daniel Campbell of ESSR who uh, joined us for an episode of the Mandalorian season two at one point. Uh, he, he and I will talk about many things uh, going on ESSR and his, like what he gets up to outside of that, including him being the main showrunner for our YouTube show that goes on ESSR called uh, Quiz Showdown. Uh, speaking of which, uh, check out YouTube, the 19th of December is the planned release date for uh, a Christmas-themed episode of Quiz Showdown called Quiz Showdown X7 Christmas 8 Easy, hosted by yours truly. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the quiz I've put together. And of course, I've sent a little tribute to our Lord and Saviour, Charles Wright, the Godfather. <laughs> uh, so, more no rules barred, more Smackdown to come. Uh, over at Scott and Paul's Round Podcast, uh, we're doing this kind of three part uh, look back as part of our series from the vault, where later this week we will have 30 years on looking back at uh, SummerSlam 1991. Uh, then at some point in time we'll have this Tuesday in Texas and then in January some hopefully in time for the 30 year anniversary we'll be looking back at the Royal Rumble 1992 uh, me, and Kurt, me, and, me and Paul actually already reviewed Rumble uh, 92 sometime in 2018 but we thought we're still very early in our podcasting career but let's do it as part of this series because you know there's a whole chain of events that involve the WR title that connects through those three shows and then Let's, let's see if our opinions have changed about Royal Rumble 1992. Often thought by many people as the greatest Royal Rumble match of all time. Is it? Well, well me and Paul will give you the definitive answer and then we can all stop debating about it. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and you can also find us at SP Rambling on Twitter. So uh, both me and Carl have got a lot going on right now. Yeah, and my dream to have as many podcasts as Scott is well and truly on course. Yes, Carl is, uh, is realising that having as many podcasts as I do and podding as often as I do is not easy. It really isn't. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Strange in the air today The sun is gone and the clouds turn grey Just what's coming is hard to say I don't know There's a battle above the street The ground is rolling below our feet The sky's turn red and I feel the heat Gotta go Who can save us a city Strong and eight million people.
Yeah.